0: Good morning. Today's reading is taken from Romans, chapter 8, verses 26 to 30, and can be found on page 1135. So that's Romans, chapter 8, 26 to 30, on page 1135. In the same way, the Spirit helps us in our weakness. We do not know what we ought to pray for, but the Spirit himself intercedes for us through wordless groans. And those he predestined, he also called. Those he called, he also justified. Those he justified, he also glorified.
1: Great, Heather, thanks very much. Uh, morning, everyone. My name's Tim Gage. I'm the curate here. And um, if it's your first time uh, with us this morning, uh, very much welcome. Uh, please do keep your Bibles open there. If you have uh, open those up to Romans chapter 8, page 1135. And I'm just going to lead us in a short prayer. Let's pray. Heavenly Father, thank you for this beautiful day, uh, for your glorious creation, and thank you that uh, you are beautiful. There is no one uh, as amazing, as awesome as you. We pray that you would help us to see that this morning. And Lord, as we think about some uh, issues and everything that's been going on in the world this week, we pray that you might draw us closer to yourself, for we ask in Jesus' name. Amen. So we're in uh, Romans chapter 8 and, uh, well, basically an introduction to Paul's letter to this church in Rome. And what he's been doing in these previous eight chapters is explaining how we can be made right with God. How we can have a relationship with God as our heavenly father. How we can now be part of God's new family by having faith, by trusting in Jesus and not only that, how we can have this great hope of heaven and of new creation. And, and this passage is kind of like part two um, from, from last week where we were thinking about how the Bible says that all of creation is, well, the word Paul uses is groaning. Creation is groaning for the day that Jesus returns because we look around the world. We've seen it this week in the news. We live in a creation that isn't the way it should be. It is groaning for its master's return. But we also learnt the difference between moaning and groaning. Moaning is is hopeless. It thinks that nothing is going to change. Groaning is hopeful. It is looking forward to the day when Jesus returns and things will be as they should be. And we'll actually see that word groaning again. That's the the connection between last week and and this week in, in verse 26. As we think about what we need to know when we are suffering. I wonder, what do you think are the most important things we need to know when we suffer? What are the most important things we need to know? I think there's there's probably at least three. When we suffer, we need to know that there's someone there for us. It's a horrible thing to suffer on our own. We need to know that there is someone there for us to be with and and to talk to, to listen to our problems. Secondly, we need to know that that actually there's a possibility that this suffering can make us stronger. It's not going to destroy us. And thirdly, well, we need to know that we are loved when we suffer, don't we? It's horrible to suffer feeling unloved. Well, we're actually going to see all three of those in today's passage. And we're going to start off with the first one, thinking about the fact that there's someone there for us to be with and to talk to. So we think, when we suffer, how can we pray? How can we pray? Perhaps you hear that and you think, why would I want to pray when I'm suffering? particularly if if you're here this morning, you don't believe in God or, or you're not sure that he answers prayer. Why would I want to pray to God when I suffer? But it's interesting, as I've spoken to people over the years who perhaps wouldn't call themselves religious, I've discovered time and time again that at moments in their life, even if they say they don't believe in God, they felt this huge urge to pray, pray to God, particularly when they're suffering. But sometimes the opposite might be true, and it might have been true for you, it's only been true in my life, that people who believe in God, who trust in Jesus, when we experience suffering, sometimes we find it impossible to pray. We just can't find the words, we just can't find the enthusiasm. Well look at what Paul says in verse 26 in those moments. Paul's telling us in those moments when we, when we just can't find the words to pray, when we just find communication too hard, actually God comes to us. Look, verse 26. Paul says, in the same way, the Spirit helps us, that is the Holy Spirit of God, helps us in our weakness. We do not know what we ought to pray for, but the Spirit himself intercedes for us through wordless groans. Paul says, when we don't know what to pray, that's Okay. God's Holy Spirit helps us. That is, He is for us. Generally, but at particular times of suffering and of great need. He helps us when we don't know what to pray for. Now sometimes, when we suffer, we don't know what to say to people. And there's often no words. Someone says, how are you doing? And can't really say anything. There aren't words. Think about what we've seen on our screens in the last 48 hours. This, this shooter in New Zealand in Christchurch. All those people, dead. Lost loved ones. We don't know what to say. There aren't words, are there? We're left searching, trying to grasp for words to say, to pray. What should we pray for when someone gets a, a terminal diagnosis of cancer? What should we say when someone's husband leaves them? There aren't words. We don't know what to pray. But Paul says that's okay. The Holy Spirit helps us. And he says he does that, and there's this link word, by groaning. When we don't know what to pray, God prays on our behalf. Those kind of, those earthy, raw emotions, God uses and turns those into prayers. He comes to us and helps us to share that burden of pain, of suffering, through these wordless groans. Other people can't hear them, but God can. We may not be able to find the audible words, but that doesn't stop God from turning those groans into prayers. In fact, they are perfect prayers. We often stumble to try and think about what kind of prayers we might say out loud. That's not a problem for the Holy Spirit. He is using that suffering and turning those into perfect prayers to God. So God comes to us in our weakness, verse 26. But verse 27, God then is on the responding end. He sees and hears us. Verse 27, and he who searches our hearts, that's God, knows the mind of the spirit. Because the spirit intercedes for God's people in accordance with the will of God. Paul says, God searches out our hearts. He knows what we're going through. In those times when we don't know what to pray or what to say to others, that's okay. God can see and God knows. And at the same time, God is helping us to pray God's will. In the the Lord's Prayer that we'll say later in communion, we say, not my will, but yours be done. Yours is the will that we want to obey, to pray to. So God helps us to pray God's will. He helps us to pray the very prayers that we would pray if we knew all that God knows. We can't see things. Even even in the length of our life, some things just don't make sense. But in the length of eternity, God knows what is best for our good and for his glory. But rather than making than that making us lazy prayers we think well it doesn't matter what we pray then does it because god's gonna do it anyway i don't have to try that's not what paul is getting at here he's saying for those times when we're when we're struggling to find those words god comes to us and helps us to pray and rather than that making us lazy prayers he actually spurs us on when that happens we want to pray more We want to gather together in in small groups to pray. We want to gather together at the monthly prayer meeting to pray in church to pray together. We want to talk to God more because he is helping us. He is groaning in us to help us to pray to him. Maybe you're here this morning and perhaps you've never really prayed. Well, you can do it now, particularly if there's someone uh, there's something suffering in your life. In fact, after our morning service, you have an opportunity to pray with some people at the front. Why not use that? Perhaps that's the first time you've ever prayed with someone. What a great opportunity. And if that is you, come and speak with someone after the service. We'd love to pray with you more and think about how we can help you. You'd say a prayer like, God, will you hear me and help me? Or even if you can't find those words, then just know that he can come to you and groan within you and help you to pray, even if you can't find the words. So that's the first thing. We can go to someone who hears us and is for us. Secondly, that idea that this suffering can somehow make us stronger. When we look to the Bible and we see that in verse 28, we think about sometimes when we suffer, we can find it hard to trust God. But Paul doesn't want us to, to doubt God Paul wants us to know that we can trust. Well, let's look at how we can trust him. So we look at verse 28 and we see how God is trustworthy in whatever we are going through because he is working everything together in our lives for the good of his chosen people. Okay, God works everything together for the good of his chosen people. Look at verse 28. Paul says, and we know, he wants the people to remember this, That in all things, God works for the good of those who love him, who have been called according to his purpose. Now, this is a famous verse. Let's think about what what this means in this context. Paul is saying, firstly, that we can trust God when we are suffering because he is at work in everything in his people's lives. The problem is we often think the opposite is true when we suffer, don't we? We're going through something difficult, we're suffering, and we think, God, what are you doing? Why have you abandoned me? And that's a common experience. You read through the pages of Scripture, you read through the Psalms, you read through Job. That is a common experience for God's people. They they don't understand what God is doing when they suffer. And sometimes we can even be led to think that suffering in our lives is just pointless. It just makes things miserable. There is nothing good that comes from suffering. I read this story this week. The only survivor of a shipwreck washed up on a small desert island. He cried out to God to save him and every day he scanned the horizon for help. But nothing came. Exhausted, he eventually managed to build a rough hut together and put his few possessions that he had in this hut. Then one day he went off and was hunting for food and he arrived back to his little hut to find it in flames. Everything had been destroyed and the smoke rolled up into the sky. For him the very worst had happened. He lost everything he had and he was stung with grief. Early the next day a ship drew near the island and rescued him. How did you know I was here? He asked the crew. We saw your smoke signal. The crew replied. Even in our suffering, even in what seems to be the worst thing imaginable, God is working all things together for the good of those who love him. Now, notice, Paul said he doesn't say for everyone, does he? He says for the good for those who love him. And when he says that, he means for those who love God. That is Christians, those who have faith in Jesus. Doesn't have to be massive faith but those who just trust that Jesus is their savior. That doesn't mean that these people are, are special or astounding people in any way, but because actually where their treasure is tied, their treasure is tied up ultimately in Jesus. That is where their hope is. Which is why for those who love God, God is working everything together for their good, because their good is tied up in him. In the hope of heaven, that means that whatever they suffer now, ultimately it cannot take away their ultimate good of being in heaven and in God's new creation with Him. But briefly, that also means the opposite is true, doesn't it? And if God is working together all uh, all things for the for the good of those who love Him, well, that means well what happens to people that reject Him? Well, that means they choose not. To have that ultimate good. They are choosing to reject the source of all love, light and life. Which means they can have no certainty that all things are working together for their good. Because their good ultimately won't last. Maybe it's hope in this life. Maybe it's hope in family, career, relationships, looks. Those things aren't going to last. But if their hope is in God, then whatever they suffer It cannot be taken away from them. Paul says God is working in all things. This is helpful for us to remember because things in our life often don't work out the way that we expect them to. Relationships, jobs, careers, whatever it is, hopes and dreams. Often things don't work out the way we expect or wanted them to. But Paul says that God will use whatever happens in those things for our ultimate good our failures, our regrets, our weaknesses, our temptations, our pains, our suffering. God will use those things for our ultimate good. And our ultimate good is to know God forever as his child. You see, if all we have to hope for is this life, well, suffering is nearly always going to be bad, isn't it? It's going to threaten the things that we love most. But if our hope is based on what's coming, just like we were seeing last week, if our hope is based on what's coming after we die, when Jesus comes back, that means that ultimately suffering can't destroy us. Suffering can't take away our ultimate good. So we can trust God because whatever we suffer, God will never allow it to take away what is most valuable to us. Him. In fact, it will only make it sweeter. You see people who suffer great things in their life, who are still holding on to God by his grace. And their hope in what is coming is all the sweeter. Imagine, or, or for some of you it will be true, a life spent with much ongoing pain. Each day is a struggle. But how sweet will heaven be where there is no pain anymore? That's how we can trust him. Because God is working all those things. For the good of those who love him. Well, lastly, then, how, how can people know when they suffer? How, when we suffer, how can we know that we are loved? How can we know? Well, when we suffer, God wants us to know that we are loved. And to help us to see that, um, there are five words in verses 29 and 30 that pick this up and kind of roll onwards now we could spend a whole year looking at these five words or, or a lifetime just looking at one of them we don't have that so i'm going to spend about 30 seconds on each one and we'll, we'll have to think about it more uh, in future weeks but he uses five words glance down with me at verses 29 to 30 it says for those god foreknew he also predestined to be conformed to the image of his son that he might be the firstborn among many brothers and sisters and those he predestined, he also called. Those he called, he also justified. Those he justified, he also glorified. The first word then is that those that God foreknew. That means those that God has personally known. is not just a sort of an intellectual knowledge. or oh, I know that person will be born on that point. This is knowing in terms of knowing someone in your heart. Those that God has known before creation, those that God has loved before they were born, that those He foreknew, He predestined. That's a that's a big word. Basically, it means that God had chosen beforehand, before we had done anything before God, before we'd even (gasps) took our first breath. God had chosen us, and what has He chosen us for? Well, He'd chosen us to be part of His family. To know his goodness and his blessings. But also chosen for us to be more like Jesus. That He is committed, that he loves us enough that he's not going to leave us how we are. But he's going to make us more and more like Jesus. He had chosen us. This is all God's work before we had done anything. And then he has called those he predestined. He called. We have been called to follow Jesus. Now, this is a costly call. Many people um, go into these things without actually understanding that actually to follow Jesus can be costly. We look for many people around the world who follow Jesus, and it has cost them their lives. We look through the book of Acts, the Apostle Paul. It cost him his life to follow Jesus. But it is worth it. Jesus, speaking in Mark chapter 8, says that we are to take up our cross and follow him. Now, in one sense, to follow that call means death. It means dying to an old way of life. But at the same time, it means to find the source of all life and happiness and joy. In all its fullness, we have been called. But those God called, he has also justified. Again, another massive word for Paul, particularly in Romans. Justified means made right with God. By Jesus dying on the cross which we respond to by trusting him, by having faith in him. You see, God is so committed to all things being used for our good. that he even sent his son to die as our sacrifice, to take away our guilt, to take away our shame. Which is why when we, we gather around the Lord's table to share communion, that's why it's such a big deal. It's why it's so important, because we are remembering his body and his blood broken and shed for us opportunity for us to to recommit to him as we do that but those god justified he also glorified now this is a really puzzling use of this word glory thinking about what we were thinking uh, last week where where paul was saying glory this thing that we are hoping for in the future but glorified means it's already happened but we haven't been glorified in one sense have we we're we're not in heaven yet we're not enjoying this, this new creation. It would be f- wrong to think that we were. But Paul is saying that God has ju- uh, justified us and glorified us. Even though that glory is still in the future. But in God's mind and in God's words, he can say it's in the past. As if it's already happened. Because it's so certain. That God has justified those who put their faith in Jesus Christ, those he has called, those he has predestined and thorn you, that means that we can say that we are we are glorified, we can be so certain that this will happen for us. It's almost as if it already has. It's like a king deciding to, to share half of his wealth with one of his servants in the land. So he tells a messenger, go and tell my servant that I am giving him half of everything that is mine. Now the servant is still there in, in doing his work and the messenger hasn't yet come to him. He doesn't know that all this glory, all this wealth is coming his way. But in the king's eyes, that man is already a millionaire and rules half the kingdom. That's how certain it is that those who have been called and respond to God by placing their faith in Jesus Christ, will be glorified, will enjoy life in all its fullness in eternity with him. And this is how we can know that God is working in all things, working all things together for our good, because he loves us and has done everything necessary to make that come about. When Jesus died on the cross, his final words were, it is finished. And it is. Everything that was necessary for us to enjoy life in all its fullness with God has been finished. Jesus has done it all. When we suffer, we can talk to God and tell him how we feel. Even when we can't find the words, he will help us. When we suffer, we can trust God, knowing that whatever it is, ultimately he is working it all together for our good. When we suffer, we can know that God loves us because he sent Jesus to die and rise and to bring us into his family. Next time you suffer, don't you want to speak to someone who knows you like no one else and who help you to. To summon up those words, even if you can't speak them out, when you suffer, don't you want to know that you can trust that person you're speaking to? And when you suffer, don't you want to know that nothing that might happen can ever take you? out of their arms and their love. Let's pray. Father, these are amazing words. We could spend a lifetime dwelling on them, and that's probably not a bad use of a lifetime. Lord, we pray that you would help us when we suffer. Thank you that that we don't have to summon up the right words to pray to you, but the Holy Spirit comes to us. Lord, help us to, to be in step with your Spirit, not to try and shut down communication, but allow you to work in us when we struggle to pray. Thank you that you are working all things together for the good of those who love you. And thank you that before time began, you had this plan for us to be your children. And you have done everything necessary in and through the Lord Jesus to make this happen. Please help us to trust you when we suffer today. Amen.